Uh, today I want to talk about good news, bad news. Good news, bad news. And I want to kind of continue the, the thought, uh, the train of thought that we've had uh, the past few weeks in talking about the prodigal son and the elder brother. And I kind of want to wrap this up. And, uh, you know, there are so many things that I think and probably you think are my problem, right? Uh, that the uh, people who call me, the telemarketers that call me at the worst times, right? They are the problem. Uh, the, the people who drive slow in the left lane, they are my problem. The, the people with like four kids who get on an airplane and sit next to you, they are the problem. Then you realize you are the problem. It's just so fun when you walk down that center aisle and like people are looking at you like, please do not sit next to me. The people in Washington, right? Easy targets, they're the problem. The people in Springfield, they're the problem. The people on TV, they're the problem. And it, it's not true. Did you know that the biggest problem that you and I have is a three-letter word that starts with S, sin. Sin is the problem. It's my problem and it's your problem. It's everybody's problem. Everything uh, that we see in the world that's wrong starts from sin. Next time you drive by that hospital, that children's hospital, just remember sin. It started from sin. The next time you drive by that prison, just remember sin. And, and we've gotten away from sin in our culture, haven't we? Now it, it's regrettable mistakes. It's uh, a sincere apology for a regrettable mistake or something. Nobody wants to use the sin word, but how many knows that sin is still a problem? How many knows that, that sin still has to be dealt with? Sin still has to be addressed. And, and that is the, the core of the problem with you and I, and, and I just wanna remind us in Romans chapter three, Paul, is, is he's talking in the book of Romans, he, he talks about the godless, people who live in pagan societies that work, that they worship idols, they live deviant lifestyles. He starts with that in chapter one, and then in chapter two, he says to his Jewish listeners, hey, before you get a big head, just remember, you do the same things, and you have the word of God. And he, he basically says this, everybody, every rotten one of us is guilty. We all have the same problem. In Romans 3.10, he says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Okay, not Mother Teresa. I think one of the holiest people I've ever met is probably Nona Freeman. But guess what? She was a sinner. Some, some of the great mentors and pastors, uh, T.F. Tenney was a sinner. Not one is righteous. He says that there is no one who seeks God. In other words, on our own, we do not seek God. And it, it takes the grace of God for us to even seek him. That, that all have turned away and they have altogether become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. And I, right now, am raising two adorable sinners. 
adorable sinners. Where it's like on one hand I'm correcting, on the other hand I want to laugh out loud and I have to keep myself, I, I kid you not, and I promise I'm not gonna go down this rabbit hole. But I kid you not, last week we got home from church, I walked through the door, the first thing George said to me is, Daddy, can we play musical chairs? <laughs> no. That is a horrible game. <laughs> Son, do, do not play musical, do not go to Ireland, just stay away from my, there's 200 other countries in the world to visit. No, but, but, but back to my point, that they're cute as a button, but they're still sinners. And we say things like this, well, he's a good kid. No, he's not. There are no good kids. There are no good people. We're all broken. We're all sinful. And, and it, it's like, you know, comparing my sin to yours is like two cancer patients comparing their cancer. Like, oh, I have a little bit better can No, it's all cancer. It's all a disease. And, and if we're really honest, each of us struggles with this feeling of guilt that we have inside of us that we know we can't live up to God's standard. Half the time, I can't even live up to my standard. And so we're dealing with this guilt, and, and I think here's the way we deal with that guilt is we find somebody else who we can point to and say, well, at least I'm not that guy, Right? And I don't know about you, but I'm intrigued by law. I'm intrigued by courtrooms and what goes on in a courtroom. And actually, my undergraduate degree was in pre-law. Thank God I paid tens of thousands of dollars for that. So, so glad I did that. But, but in a courtroom, I would love to be a juror. I, would, I think that would just be so interesting and fun, and, and we get, I get this case in front of me, and I get to get this power, right? Like, I get to decide whether this guy lives or dies or goes to prison or goes free. That would be intriguing. I, I, I would find it intriguing to be a judge and, and to have that control of the courtroom. One thing I would not want to be in a courtroom is a defendant. Or you know they're gonna go through your life with a microscope. Mr. Suey, is it true that you spoke back to your mom in 1985? Yes, it's true. Or do you plead guilty to be a sinner? Yes. Should sinners be punished? Yes. Your honor, no, no further questions, right? Like you, you can be painted to be this horrible person by things you did 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And so nobody wants to be the defendant, but we love to be the juror and the judge. And when we judge, we put other people on trial, don't we? And here's what I found. I often do this when someone offends me. When someone offends me, I've gotta find the dirt. And I've gotta vindicate myself that I'm better than them. And that I have higher... Uh, goals for myself and I have higher standards for myself or whatever and, and you know what that is? It's sin. It's sin. It's that sin nature that creeps up. It says, yeah, you got a little bit of this but look at over there. And, and I want to tell us today, we, we are clever at creating distance between our sin and everyone else's. Right? We, we'll, we'll say things like, well, 
yeah, you know, maybe, maybe I look at a little bit of pornography, but I, I don't commit adultery. Or I, I, I commit adultery, but I would never do that on Sunday. Can you believe that there are people that commit adultery on Sunday? Like, I, I, I might do that, but I make sure it's on Tuesday. I would never do that on the Lord's Day. Can, I cannot believe there's people that do that, right? And, and here's what we do. I brought some props today. Is to, to judge, we get our microscope, not our microscope, magnifying glass. See that pre-law degree. And, and here's what we do when we get our magnifying glass. We get close to people and we say, surely they're not that good all the time. So if I can get close to you, I can put you on trial, and I can say, yeah, but I was at their house, and I went through their movies, and you would not believe what was in there. And here, here's, here's another thing. You wanna see what's in my little box here? Thanks, Mom, for providing this prop. And if we can't get close, we get our binoculars out. And from a safe distance where I don't have to get too close and actually know them, I can get my binoculars out and, oh, look at those unrighteous balcony people. <laughs> they should get here early like I do and they could sit in the front, but apparently they don't love God enough to make that extra effort. Oh, she struggles with gossip. I, I can't remember who told me that, but I know she really struggles with gossip. So my, my binoculars, I can get on Facebook and I can make all kinds of judgments about people despite the fact that I don't, I don't even really know them. And so here, here's how we should judge. When we read the word of God, we need to put away our magnifying glass and our binoculars and we need to get out our mirror. We say, word of God, show me. Show me what's wrong. When, when somebody offends me, I, I need to put that stuff away and I need to get out my mirror and say, God, why am I offended right now? God, did I, did I do something? Man, I'd love to play musical chairs with that guy. No. <laughs> but that, that's what we do and that's a part of our sinful nature. And you know what it is? Is We have blind spots. All of us have blind spots. What is a blind spot? Well, to use a driving analogy, it's something that you can't see. Right. It's not that you're a quote unquote bad driver, you just can't see it. And all of us have it. Right. And here's what I wanna tell us, if we don't deal with our blind spots, it can lead to wrecks. Right. can lead to tremendous, tremendously bad things happening. And here's how we deal with our blind spots. Just like in a car, you gotta be vigilant. How do we do that? We check our mirrors. We check those instruments now that we have in cars that tell us there's something there, but I can't see it. How do you do that? You're introspective. You're reading the word of God with a mirror. Number two, here's what you do. You ask for feedback. Other people in the car, hey, I can't see, is there a a car there? 
and they can tell you, hey, you're about to hit that person. Don't change lanes yet. We need feedback in our life. We need people who will speak to us honestly and, and that we can trust them that can give us honest feedback and say, watch out right now. And, and so to, today, I, I wanna to talk about a, a scripture that, that right now, man, this is the world's favorite scripture. There, there's like people that, that they don't know any other scripture, but they know this one. And it's Matthew chapter seven. And it says, judge not, that you be not judged. The, the, the King James, I believe, says, lest not you be judged. Like, like the, the people in the world even know the King James version of the scripture, like, lest you be judged, right? Judge not, lest you be judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And, and here's, I'm, I'm gonna start with this verse, or I'm gonna go through this, this text in reverse. He says, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. Now, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm gonna start with that last verse first because I believe this is one of the most misinterpreted scriptures, uh, text in the Bible. And, and people say, well, you can't judge me. You can't judge, I can do what I want. You have no right to say about me committing X because you can't judge me. And, and I wanna tell you that that is one of the most biggest misconceptions and, and we're gonna talk about how to judge today. And, and here's what I wanna tell us this, is that we need to thank God that God allows us to judge. I mean, let's think about that for a minute. If somebody uh, does something to your child, do you say, well, the Bible says not to judge anybody, so I'm just gonna pray for him. If somebody kills somebody, we say, well, we can't judge. You know, he, he's just, he's human like us. Can't, can't judge, can't go there. No, that's not what Jesus is saying at all. And I want us to look at verse six. He says, do not give what is holy to dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. You know what Jesus is saying here? He's saying, use discretion and have a spirit of discernment. I'm just gonna tell you right now, I don't let just anyone into my kid's life. And we need to have a spirit of discernment. Discernment is a spiritual gift. And we need it in the church today. Because there, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of bad people in the world and sometimes they come to church. This is gonna be really bold right now. Might turn into Mean Jeremy for just a minute. And we need to have that spirit within us that says something doesn't feel right here. A few years ago, some friends and I, we were in this setting and a family was there that uh, they used to have a reality show and I won't say the name of it, but it rhymes with Digger. And uh, they were all in there and, and I, we were uh, together and, and my friend's wife, she said, something's wrong with that dude. 
The way he looks at women is not normal. And months later, stuff came out. And now I think he's actually in prison for that very thing. You know what that is? That's, that's a spirit that picks up on something's not right here. And I wanna tell us right now that this, we don't judge anybody and we just let everybody do what they want. No, 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 no. You don't do what you want in my house. You don't do what you want in God's house. This is holy ground. And we're gonna have a spirit of discernment. Come on, somebody. We need to have a spirit of discernment. We're, we're not gonna give what's precious to the dogs. You can't have my children. You can't have... Not, not just anything's gonna come into my house. And, and so we have to start there. Jesus isn't saying that we don't look at other people and say what they're doing is wrong because that would be disastrous. What he's saying is this. When you do judge, make sure you're doing this. Make sure before you do that, you get your mirror out first. Amen. Before you commit your brother about committing adultery, make sure you're getting in your mirror first and making sure your life is pure. Come on, somebody. And so he's, he says this, that, that, that judging harshly and inconsistently and hypocritically makes me a hypocrite. Judging harshly carries with it condemnation and separation from its subject. It becomes a me versus them comparison that we've been talking about. And when I judge hypocritically, it's from a spirit of superiority. But when I'm judging from discernment, it recognizes that that same disease is in me and I have to guard myself. That same potential is right here. And so before I'm harsh and before I'm too judgmental, which is it's different, but there's a difference between judging and being judgmental. Being judgmental is an outlook and an attitude. Wherever where I go, I got this out. Everywhere I go, I'm finding and I'm worried about everybody else. And here's what we need to do. We need to be worried about right here. That needs to be my foremost concern. God is what I'm doing pleasing to you. Amen. So a judgmental spirit is critical without cause. It's not helpful. It doesn't uplift. And, and so what Jesus says here, I wanna go back to verse one. He says, judge not that you be judged. From what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it's gonna be measured back to you. And here's what I found. When, when I'm really focused on somebody, really judgmental on somebody, I need to remember. Now, remember when you criticize what you have to live up to, your criticism. What measure I use, that's the measure that's brought back. Boy, it makes you wanna be a little more gracious, doesn't it? And he says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye but do not remove the plank from your own eye. He, he's saying, you got your, your magnifying glass and you can see the speck in his eye, but you have a two by four right here. And it's all made from the same substance. It's all sin, the speck and the, the board, the plank, it, it's all from the same substance. It's all sin. And it's, instead of looking at 
your minute faults, instead of being dramatic about your problems, what if I was just as dramatic about my own problems, about my own sin, about my own faults and failures? What if we were just as passionate about the sin in our life? And so he says that you've got to remove that plank and then look what he says next. He says, or how could you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your eye. Now this is really, really incredible. I want you to see what Jesus is saying here. Jesus isn't saying, don't be concerned about your brother's sin. He's not saying that. He's saying, first of all, look in the mirror and when you've looked in the mirror, then you have the credibility to speak to somebody else. That's, that's what the motivation that we wanna have is I wanna help people. And, and listen, if we're not helping people overcome sin, we aren't helping them. And so I wanna have a, a spirit of consecration and holiness in my life so that I have the credibility and people say, please speak in my life. Please get your magnifying glass and help me with my blind spots. Come on, does that, is that what anybody wants? Is, does anybody wanna help people and glorify God? So we, we, we've gotta take the plank out of our eyes so that we have the credibility to help our neighbor. I wanna ask us, are we, do you think as Christians as a whole today, do you think that's happening? Do you think that people are approaching us and they're saying, I know the consistency in the way you live and I give you a right to speak into my life. Lord, help us, Lord, help us. And so God wants us to be healthy enough that we can help other people with our sin problems, their sin problems, without being judgmental or having a judgmental spirit. But here's what we do, right? We, we, we tend to view other people's sins as a plank, and my sin's just a speck, right? Man, so good at that. Or, or we can... We can Excuse it away, well, you know, they don't know what my childhood was like. They don't know my background. They don't know what I'm going through right now. It's all sin. It's all sin. Here's what I want to tell us today, sin is serious. Sin's not funny. I don't care how minute or how large. And, And can we just say this, there are different consequences for different sins but sin will send your soul to hell. Sin will destroy you. And here's what we gotta have. We gotta have a spirit that hates the sin in our life. And we've, we've all heard this, right? Love the sinner, hate the sin. And I agree with that. But really, when you think about it, it's, it's kind of said from a superior standpoint, like, Love that guy, hate his sin, when, when really maybe we should start with hate my sin 
hate other people's sin, but hate mine first. So that I can help somebody. And here's what we have to do. We we have to be careful not to judge by appearances. Man, I've been so guilty of that. To, To judge by appearances. Maybe you see something and, and there was like a, uh, this long conversation that was taking place and you walk down the hall and you hear 10 seconds of it and you make up a story in your mind or, or you see somebody in what looks like a compromising situation and you're like, eh, man. And, and here's what we have to do. We have to wait for the facts to come out. We have to wait until maybe the whole picture has been painted before we come to conclusions. And, and Jesus said this. He's, he said in John 7, 24, he says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with what? Right judgment. And, and the, this is what the Pharisees did to him, right? Jesus would go out to eat with sinners. Jesus would go out to eat with the non-religious group, and they said what? He's a glutton and a drunk. There's a story where, where Jesus is in this house and this woman comes and she was a prostitute and she unbinds her hair, which we, we have to understand how important that was. Women in that day would never show their hair. They would never let their hair down because it was seen to have a sensual quality. And she let down her hair and she washed Jesus' feet with her tears and with her hair and and she was putting her glory at his feet and and she was this person who's non-religious. She's as low as you can go in that day, right? And if you would have been walking by that house and looked in the window and saw that scene in that day, you would have said, "Uh uh-huh, he's not as perfect as we thought. But you would have had to see the, the bigger story of what was happening there. And we need to be careful that we don't judge people based on just one picture when there's a whole movie to watch. We need to be careful that that we don't judge people too quickly. Yes, we need to have discernment, but we also need to let God guide us and say, God, show me. I'm just gonna say something right now to our single people in the house. You need to ask God to give you a spirit of discernment. Or you can get in some big messes. And when somebody shows you their character, believe them. Is that all right? Young people over here, ask God to give you a spirit of discernment. Not everybody that acts like your friend is your friend. There are some people that, that... Satan has put in your life who are, have the potential to be destructive, but you pray, God, give me discernment about this relationship. God, give me discernment about this person. So I wanna wrap this up today. A popular sentiment out there, you heard this, you've seen this on the internet. Nobody but God can judge me. That's another one. Nobody but God can judge me. I think Tupac, brother Tupac, popularized that. All you boomers out there, ask your kids. I'll explain. No, I'm not saying go buy a Tupac. It's, it's, never mind. Don't judge quickly. 
But here's that, that line, only God can judge me. Well, here's the thing with that. That's good news and that's bad news. You're right, ultimately, God is your judge. But here's the thing with that, that's really scary. And in our culture, we, we've made you know, Jesus into this likable little hippie who just pats people on the backs and give hugs and would never ever get in anyone's, would never correct anybody. First of all, let me tell you, that's not love. We need correction. We need some people that will speak into our life. God loves you the way you are, but he loves you too much for you to stay that way. Come on, we need the word of God to speak to us and confront us. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30 says, for we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. In other words, what that's saying is we trust God to judge our enemies. And then he says, the Lord will judge his people. And then he, he says this, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. See here today, if I correct you, and if I give you some feedback you don't like, and you don't like it, that's fine. Because ultimately, you're right, I'm not your judge. Ultimately, in the big picture of things, I don't matter much. That's bad news. Because I'm not completely holy. I'm not your creator. I don't know the end from the beginning. But there's a God named Jesus who is. And here's why every day I wanna get out my mirror. One day I'm gonna face him. And he's gonna open up the books of my life. And I don't know about you, but that scares me silly. Can you imagine today if I pick somebody randomly out of this crowd, we put a chair up here, we're gonna open up the books and we're, we're gonna go through video, we're gonna go through timelines. I'm just gonna tell y'all right now, I would pay $20,000 to dream to destiny right now to get out of that. Like, what do, I, what do I have to do? And all of us should feel that way. Because we all have sin. So when we say only God can judge me, honey, that's not a good thing. You're gonna face him and you're gonna give an account. He's completely sovereign. He's holy. Nothing impure really has the right to even enter his presence. One of the holiest prophets of the Bible, Isaiah, got a glimpse into the presence of God and he said, whoa, I am a man of unclean lips. Who am I? I think some of us are a little full of ourselves until we think about that day, we're gonna meet God. And it will happen. Hitler's gonna have that day. The president's gonna have that day. The prisoner's gonna have that day. And the preacher's gonna have that day. But here's the good news. That judge became our lawyer. 
that God, come on, this is the gospel, the God of all eternity, said they're guilty. They have no right to come in my presence. Their sin is absolutely repugnant. It absolutely turns me away, but I am going to become sin for them. And I'm going to shed innocent blood. That blood on Calvary was perfect blood. It knew no sin. Like a sheep being led to the slaughter, he went to that cross and he said, I will take the penalty for them and I will be uh, crucified and buried and I will raise on the third day so I can fill them with the power of the Spirit so that they can live the life to overcome this world. Come on, is anybody thankful for Jesus today? Is anybody thankful for the cross today? Come on, somebody tell him you love him right now. Come on, he's worthy. Worthy is the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. I want to tell you, that was God on that cross. That was your judge on that cross. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that what? You may not sin. I want to tell us, I believe in grace. Absolutely, I believe in grace. If we started kicking people out left and right for sin, wouldn't anybody be here today? Might be possible for all of us to be saved on the front row if we did that, right? I believe in grace, but I believe that we've gotten a little too heavy on the just do whatever you want stuff. Why is the word of God given to us? So that we may not sin. So that we can overcome. And that doesn't mean I'm ever gonna be perfect, but I can be better than I was yesterday. Amen. Come on. And he says this, but, but, everybody say but. but. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate. Hallelujah. We have a lawyer with the Father, Jesus Christ. The righteous. You see, what gives Calvary power was that that was a perfect man that went to that cross and he went into my place. And if I would have died for you, it would have no effect. If Bishop would have died for you, it had no effect. Because God became man and he died, he lived a perfect life and he died in our place, we can run to the throne room of God because we have an advocate with the blood of Jesus Christ. And here's what we need to do today. Here's what every one of us need to do today. It's not a biblical phrase. It's not in the Bible, but I, I think it resounds with the truth, and that is we need to plead the blood. Every one of us. Every one of us. And you know what we, we need to do? If, if there's somebody, and I'm gonna say this, if there's somebody that you're concerned about and I wanna say that you have a right to be concerned when you see people making changes that don't look to be right. You have a right to be concerned. But instead of this, what if we did this? God, please, don't let them go the wrong way. 
God, I intercede for my brother, for my sister, for my son, for my daughter. And I plead the blood of Jesus over their life. That's what those Hebrews did when that death angel came. They put the blood of that innocent lamb on that doorpost and that death angel passed over. And I don't know about you, but I'm here today to say, I want the blood of Jesus over my life. I want to be made whole. I wanna be saved from my, can we just lift up our hands all over this place right now and say, God, cover me, cover me. God, forgive me of my sin. God, forgive me, Lord, of anything, Lord, that is in my life. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name, if we could all stand right now.